hope everything is safe with you wherever you're located and you know yeah yeah everything is fine now covid and and storm and everything it's been a rough oh yeah it's like everything has happened this year <laughs> like everything wrong that had to happen happened this year it's it's been an unprecedented year you it's been one uh, bad news after the other there's china on one front there was a locust which came in there was a storm which was in the eastern part <laughs> So it's like have you seen Harry Potter? Uh yes, yes. Yeah, so this still seems like like every one of those boaty boats every flavored beans, you know. It's like everything you pick up is either like a snort flavor <laughs> or like booger flavor or something like that, you know, it's like it's a mess. It's a mess, but I'm hoping it's just worth it for the next year. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> hope, hoping we we have some good karma in store. <laughs> As a country, <laughs> as a as whatever. <laughs> totally. Hope it all pays off next <laughs> year. I mean, something has to be <laughs> worth it, right? <laughs> you know, before we jump into the questions and all, just wanted to, uh, you know, probably break the ice, get to know you a little bit, and get to know about the uh, the brand and the business a little bit. I'll just go on talking about my business. So, just to give you a brief. Uh, Scoopski is a packaged dessert brand. So uh, we deal in edible cookie dough, which is a multi-purpose dessert in a jar. So if you haven't heard of edible cookie dough, it's basically cookie dough which you can eat straight from the jar, or you can bake it as well, which is opposed to any conventional cookie dough since it's not safe to eat because of the content of um, bacteria which can cause salmonella, and uh, ours is free of that. uh so as is different from the commercial cookie dough which you can get in the market i mean you don't get in india of course but uh what makes our product different is that uh, it is multi purpose in nature and it is basically a dessert in a jar which is you can qualify it as a gourmet dessert but yeah you can get it online and in retail shops etc so so that essentially is the product Are you the only cookie dough uh, brand per se in India, or I don't know? I mean, that's yes, yes. Wow, wow. So we're the only ones dealing in packaged dessert as cookie dough. There are a couple of companies doing uh, cookie dough in their own restaurants, or uh, as value offering with other items in their menu. And there are a couple of people uh, doing uh, desserts with cookie dough, for example, ice creams with cookie dough, etc. But then we're the only ones doing packaged dessert cookie dough. as like a separate product altogether nice interesting and what is what is your uh, uh, say sales format per se do you have a retail outlet as well or is this online or uh, how do you go about it as primarily online like through our website but uh, we do retail with a couple of cafes uh, we're not very big on that yet but uh, we are available in a couple of cafes in kolkata and one in surat So right. uh, yeah, uh, but our primary model is through our own website. Very nice. And how long has it yeah. been for the for Scoopski? Uh, we're going to complete two years in August this year. So yeah, a little over one and a half years currently. But then that's that is when our company got registered, which is two thousand eighteen August. But we've been in operation like you know the beta test and trying to understand the entire market since uh, I'd say October two thousand seventeen. So yeah, literally over two years now, trying to understand the market and trying to develop the product. But the company per se is from uh, August two thousand eighteen, so almost two years now. And do you do you ship pan India? 
Yes, yes, we ship Pan India. We started shipping Pan India in October 2018, and uh, it's been a little over one and a half years to that as well. Shipping Pan India. We right. ship from Kolkata itself, so our production and uh, fulfillment happens in Kolkata, and then we ship it Pan India. And uh, just I'm just uh, I'm a salesperson myself, so I'm just I'm just curious here. So if, <laughs> if I start getting annoying with my questions, you can stop me. No, no, all of us are salesperson people, you know, in the sense of it, because. I mean, I don't believe in anyone being an entrepreneur per se. Everyone can become an entrepreneur, but what are you great at? And like, I think all of us in the F&B business, we should be good at sales, and that's what we are essentially, you know. So, any kind of sales question, I'm up for it. The question that I was just leaning into is, which is your biggest market in terms of if we look at? Our main orders come from Bombay and Bangalore. And Delhi also, for that matter, but it's mainly Bombay and Bangalore because I feel uh, people are more up to experimenting in these cities. They are up for trying out new stuff, and um, I feel uh, every company needs, you know, the first set of uh, acceptors to their product, like baby boomers, in terms of uh, people accepting their product and trying it out for the first time. And I feel those kind of people are uh, readily available in Bombay and Bangalore. So our most of our ads are also targeted in these two cities. Yeah, and of course, it's a it's a very uh, I would say millennial hip kind of product that you have. Ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So definitely, like an entire uh, brand communication and everything has been done around the millennial vibe, if you must say. But uh, I mean, I don't believe in uh, branding according to a target market like a millennial or a Gen Z. I don't I don't believe in that. Okay. What I do believe in is uh, marketing according to a use case. So if you if your product is catering to the dessert brand, I mean to the dessert market. Uh, my use case essentially is if anyone is feeling peckish and wants a gourmet dessert, we are there, regardless of your age or your background or your profession, etc. So I mean, um, to my surprise, uh, most of our consumers are moms and kids more than millennials, and I had never predicted that. So uh, moms generally buy for their kids as a pastime. And uh, they also have it, you know, like with their family, and they they basically churn out something creative with it. But moms generally buy it uh, in order to like keep their kids busy and basically giving them a play-doh while eating the food as well. So you know, so that has been the change in value proposition. Nice, sounds interesting. That's why I, uh, that just makes me think. Have you? Uh, do you ask your customers often like in what form they like to consume it do they like to bake it do they like to consume it just like that or what wh- what's usually the preferred way for the customer so the customer prefers to eat it right from the jar i mean because we sort of market it as a lazy person's hack to gourmet dessert uh so everybody just like takes it warms it up and eats it up like i mean that's how it's supposed to be eaten uh at the very basic essence of it because that's how i like to eat the cookie dough as well just like take it out and eat it because who has the time to bake it right but in case you want to bake it we do give you that option as well so most of our customers uh they i mean buy it with the intent of doing something more with it but then they end up eating the entire jar at one go so uh, i'd say uh yeah 
I mean, we on our package itself, we have written the ways in which you can consume cookie dough. You can make milkshakes out of it. You can put it as toppings, uh, etc. If it lasts for that long. But then, what generally people do is just like they sit over a movie night and finish one jar. So, I mean, uh, that's the main uh, feedback that we've gotten is that uh, how fast we've consumed, gone over with one jar. So, yeah, it's just like by the spoon. I'm sure you and Jivitesh can exchange some notes on. The, uh, so uh, Jivitesh is also an F&B entrepreneur. And yeah, I had a conversation with him. Yeah. Yeah. After having that conversation with you the other day, I was just thinking about your business model, and what I really liked about it, it is that you know it's the um, first thing is is that you know it doesn't have any preservatives. The good part is that you can ship it pan India. Right, yeah. so yeah. like you don't have to, you don't have the, to have that um, FMCG network to you know try and find distributors and do all of those things, and mm-hmm. the kind of you know the kind of uh, marketing that you are talking about, you know, like based according to the use case scenarios, you get very organic demand in itself. Probably uh, massive numbers is something that I can imagine <laughs> with this. So the issue here is you know uh, consumer education. Uh, hmm. Of course, uh, I mean the good part about shipping Pan India is that you can reach the kind of crowd you want to reach and target uh, according to your marketing strategies. Like hmm. if you want to reach Bangalore, hmm. you can target your ads only in Bangalore, and then you will get your sales only in Bangalore. Hmm. But then the hmm. only issue here is uh, educating your consumer. So making right. people stay and teaching them what your product is essentially was one of the biggest tasks we had to overcome. uh because edible cookie dough i mean if you write cookie dough in your product in your packaging the first mm. thought people have is okay now what do i do with it do i bake it or do i put it in something do i put something to it and bake it what do i do people don't understand that edible cookie dough means it's edible in itself right yeah. so yeah. uh educating them about it was one of the big challenges and something that we stay tackling so mm. we get questions on a regular basis as to uh what am i supposed to put in it to bake it and uh what am i supposed to do with it can kids eat it is it vegan is it uh gluten free etc etc so of course uh mm. educating people about the product is a major task but and shelf life is a major task because since like you mentioned um uh, it is preservative free and it is made freshly uh, in mm. kolkata and mm. ship pan india the only thing is uh, the shelf life of the product is 20 days in ambient conditions and we prefer to keep it that way because uh we don't want to go for the longer shelf life game now because uh till now we are still testing the market and getting the word out and you know getting people to know about this product now you said that you know educating the customer is actually uh the thing here and maybe you know by uh doing creative campaigns wherein you know you actually show how a family consumes this with the uh, different ways probably the kid eating the dough and the mom trying to bake the cookie and uh, that in a video you know <laughs> things like that will really uh, like you know cute things like how cadbury does their yeah. ads or maggie does their ads exactly like and showing some kind of engagement within the family yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so something like, like that will really give the yeah mm-hmm, definitely and so, videos now is anyway like getting more attention than photo ads yeah so video is the future definitely so uh, yeah. so vidka let's talk about mm-hmm. um, you know how, how did the idea come to you and you know where where is this was this your home recipe or, or something mm-hmm. like that jo ghar pe karte hain something of that sort <laughs> you thought that you could probably package it and uh, mm-hmm. probably make a product out of it or was it uh, uh, like mm-hmm. you know like 
it's actually a product somewhere else and you thought that you can make something better out of that uh yeah so uh, this was back in 2017 i had gone to uh, harvard for my summer school and okay. uh, this was uh, summer of 2017 so that time we had taken like a small holiday to new york and in new york there was a new trend of not in new york only but in usa that time there was a new trend of having edible cookie dough uh, with everything like you know right as it is or with any kind of dessert that you were eating but uh, edible cookie dough was like called the trend of 2017 and i had never heard of it before and uh, the people who had gone to new york with they were sort of mad about it and there was this uh, cafe called do new york and there was a massive line outside it which is like uh, Two hours long, and uh, I have always been a very, very impatient person. So, like, had I been on my own, I would have never stood in that line. Let alone two hours, I would have not even stood for like ten minutes. But uh, mm. then again, these people said it's worth the hype. So I'm like, okay, fine, why not? Let Let's give it a shot. And then after having it, was it was a parlor model, so it was like an ice cream parlor, but they were serving cookie dough instead of ice cream. along with ice cream and brownies etc as the other value offerings but the main thing offered there was cookie dough and i tried that of course and it blew my mind firstly because it was something so different yet so indulgent and uh, something which we have heard of as kids i mean of course uh, making cookies wasn't that big of a trend in our childhood as as right. compared to the an american childhood but yeah we have always heard of cookie dough growing up tried maybe brownie batter cake batter while baking cakes etc but then uh, again right. we never thought of it as an individual dessert and uh, so the after trying it it sort of blew my mind then and uh, i was like okay fine this is something to stick with probably i'll once again if i ever come back to new york i'll try it again but then that was just like a uh, let alone thought and uh, after that i came back to kolkata and uh, one day i was just craving like craving that real bad and uh, when i get craving i go berserk like it, it's not human so um, i was getting this one craving of having edible cookie dough i'm like it can't be rocket science right like just uh, just because one person has cracked it doesn't mean nobody else can so i was right. like okay fine let, let's just give it a shot and uh, luckily i had a couple of uh, relatives of mine who have done professional baking and who have uh, come from professional uh, food and beverage uh, scientific backgrounds so i could consult them in terms of um, the stability of the product so i uh, tried whipping something on my own and then got it sort of approved by them and then uh, by trial and error got the recipe finalized took it for some shelf life testing lab testing got the entire product stabilized and then uh, started like giving out to family and friends just for a taste and i didn't ever think of making a business out of it it was more of like a passion that i wanted to uh, make a product and uh, more importantly i wanted more people to try this product that i was so mad about i just wanted didn't want right. it to be a thought and an experience which only i had i wanted more people right. at least my family and friends to know what this product is and that's right. how it started and um, then like after getting a lot of feedback and understanding where i'm going wrong how i can change it etc i sort of started perfecting the product and after all of that then i one day sat and decided okay how can this be made into a business i have, uh, i didn't want to go into the parlor model like i had seen in new york because yeah. again that requires a lot of capital investment and um, it can't be done uh, while you're in college with everything else going on you can't sit and plan a store 
and then run it while running your college i mean while uh, studying right so yeah. i mean that didn't seem viable to me especially in the indian market and of course if i had to start i would start from kolkata because this is where i was studying and uh, i didn't find that viable enough uh, so i thought why not change and do a package resort model because that is something the production of that is something i can handle from here and uh, the sales of that is also something i can handle from my house or from my office or wherever i'm going after my college so uh, just by the convenience of it i decided to go uh, with the package resort model but then it sort of fit and uh, so yeah that's how it started like one inspiration and then one craving got me to uh, sort of build a business from there on that's really uh, inspiring i wanted something for my mom to do so that basically like that would keep her interested and that would also be something that we build on slowly so that is the basic idea behind creating something on going was that my mom could continue it and so vedika just from my curiosity uh, i'm sure mm-hmm. the, you know even the product you keep trying different flavors and variations oh. and you know uh-huh. you keep trying to fine tune it or whatever so you are the entire product brain behind it or you have someone working with you so my entire team is essentially the brain behind every flavor that comes across okay. and uh, so we are a team of two founders which is my mom and me okay. and uh, three full time production uh, agents and of course we work with a lot of freelancers and designers and techies all over india but then the main core team is uh, three production agents and two of us now uh, the entire um, i i'd say rapport between all of us is that of mutual growth so if i am having an idea i won't just discuss it with my mother i will discuss it with every single team member of mine and get their views and uh, that is how the entire product building process works so this is when uh, we were working i'll give you an example we were working on a flavor for holi and that is where monster's flavor came in so uh, that is a blue colored cookie dough which has m&ms and digestive biscuits and uh, the blue food coloring which colors your tongue so the entire idea behind it was to get the childhood nostalgia back of having uh, tongue coloring candies and popsicles etc so that was the entire idea behind coming up with the flavor for holi but then the entire development process was of course asking around as to what would people want to have during holi so this is when i consulted uh, one of my production agents and mind you these production agents were people who used to work as domestic help uh, in my locality so i did not hire people who were professional bakers or who are professional cooks or chefs these are basic people who come uh from their respective villages and from come from their respective um, pada as you call it in in my city so uh yeah. they come they they work on daily wages i mean that's what their lifestyle used to be then and uh, all they know is to do household chores and uh, earn their daily income out of it and go back and feed their family so that is the background uh, from where they came and uh, when we we saw talent in them we saw that they could they could be trained in a certain way and they could be perfected in a certain way to carry out the production uh, with scoops he required so that's how we trained them and uh, then we included them in all of our uh, decision processes basically so while coming up with monster cookie so, you know, dough we sort of spoke to them as well what would you want to add into this dough and that's when they said okay they they call me didi right so they like didi isme biscuit daliye acha lagega i'm like okay fine why not 
and then uh, it completely you know that 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 crunch of that biscuit completely changed the product and i'm like okay fine if you give some sort of an ownership to your production managers people some sort of ownership to everyone who's working in your team your product itself becomes better uh, like by the virtue of giving control to other people so mm-hmm. that's how my entire flavor generating process begins and ends that that's a really that's a really good thought and uh, you, you know so much good can come out of empowering your team and exactly. that's that's awesome to hear so uh, yeah and like one more insight i would like to give you is that uh, so again these people come from very very humble backgrounds right so and uh, like three of them they didn't even know to read a word in english and okay. now each and every one of them can label can read the orders can uh, fulfill every order and can ship out every order by themselves so i mean that i feel has been the most empowering process in this entire journey that's that's so amazing to hear that you know we all talk about upskilling okay. but yeah that that's that's yeah. there live in action and i'm sure it's so gratifying to see for you yeah thank you yeah the entire like process of adding to the human capital is It's the biggest takeaway for any entrepreneur, I feel. Absolutely. And now that you've uh, done that value addition, I think <laughs> they'll do it. Uh, you know, they'll take it forward, and tomorrow when you scale up and have more people, I think they are the ones who are going to take it forward. And, definitely, you know, they uh, they definitely be the pioneers there. I mean, I want them to right. be the pioneers there. Yeah. Yeah. Really, that's great stuff. <laughs> so you know, mm-hmm. uh, like. walk us through some of the challenges that you faced you know uh, in in your early days as a young entrepreneur just starting out i'm sure there were a lot of uphill battles uh, then could you just take us through a few of them and so that we can learn as well oh for sure i don't know how much i learned from it because i'm still learning myself but yeah i definitely like to give you an insight we all we all learn from each other yeah vedika that's yeah, like when you're when you're talking about these things you know it reminds me of my first outlet when it opened and you know how uh, how you staff at that time you just want to go uh, start selling and you know yeah exactly uh, staffing is one of the key key issues that you have to tackle And then later you realize that uh, you need to skill people, otherwise you know things don't work out as you want them to. Exactly. <laughs> that that's so true. That's so true. Yeah. So I just uh, give you like a basic framework of what issues I faced. So I had to be like it was both internal and external. Uh, internal in the sense that I was. Uh, like I mentioned, I wasn't very fixated on the fact that I want to make a business out of it. It was more like uh, a side project that I wanted to grow eventually, but not at that moment. So uh, it was an internal battle in the sense that uh, there were so many options lying in front of me, uh, and um, I wanted to do so much more with my time in college and my time after college. There, there was this herd mentality also, right? That everybody is running after a job, uh, everybody is running after some sort of a uh, professional experience so why should i not so that that was again an internal battle which i had to fight uh, fight i mean there was no pressure from my family or society or anything of that sort uh but this was something for me to decide uh the trade off was something for me to you know level out as to if i if i really want to go for a professional experience or do i want to start something of my own right after college so uh, weighing that out took some time and then again uh, sticking to one thing was another major issue and i think that is an issue which all of us millennials face that uh, we are so overwhelmed with options 
that sticking to one thing and being consistent at it is um, again a big problem that we need to tackle head on. So um, yeah, that was some of the few uh, internal issues that I faced back then. And coming to external issues, the the most basic issue that I faced was people didn't take me seriously. I mean, I was 21, mm-hmm. and I was a girl. Okay, let, I mean, let's just address the elephant in the room. I was a girl, and I was 21, so nobody took me seriously. And uh, uh, like, if I had to do something, I had to do it probably three or four times before that thing got done. And uh, people, obviously, at that age, people don't take your time seriously. I mean, if you are at someone's office, that person might make you wait for two hours, three hours, just because he or she can, right? And just because your time is sort of uh, not as valuable as theirs. So that is something uh, I faced initially, that people uh, would not value your time. They would not value um, your opinions. and They would not value what you are doing. So uh, tackling that and not being let down by it was something... uh, uh, that was a challenge for me, and again, th- that still is a challenge. I'll just give you an insight as to what happened. This happened last week, right? So um, there was this big uh, consignment of glass jars that I was supposed to get, and uh, that jar, that consignment had been delayed for over two weeks. And while speaking to the transporter, I mean, I was speaking to the transporter like any other male uh, entrepreneur, male founder of their company would speak, right? I was just being as commanding in that call as any other founder would be. But then the reply that I got was, uh, se baat you know, so I'm like, mm-hmm. con. I'm like, why can't you speak to me? And then at that moment, I, I understood that, okay, fine. Do I really need him to speak to me and respect me right now? Or do I need to get my work done? So that again is a trade off. That's always been my trade off uh, in this in this entire journey. So uh, yeah, getting people to respect you, getting people to value your time and effort has been one major task, but then still getting them, still figuring out hacks to it. So, I mean, obviously things can't be straightened out as and when you want them to straighten out, but then you can obviously learn from all these experiences. So what I've learned from the last experience I can tell you is that uh, when that person was like, you know, I told him, and then I called him again. I made him speak to one older family member of mine saying that he is one of my employees. And then that family member spoke to him, got the glass jar consignment ready, and then said, you know, that's how I got my respect as a female founder. So, you know, that's, that's the kind of uh, mentality we deal with in society. But then you can't really shun that right now. You just have to find out hacks to it. Absolutely. And that's some of these things are so innate for a lot of people that, you know, a lot of people might not do it, uh, you know, uh, knowingly as as something which is offensive, but they don't know any better. So exactly. So more power to you. Yeah. May, may, uh, you know, may you deal with it with thank you thank you so much may i have the patience to deal with it (laughs) 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 being the key virtue here (laughs) and and keep uh, inspiring more young female or women entrepreneurs yeah that that will be like awesome to see thank you so much i mean i'm getting inspired by every single conversation i'm having like with you guys with anybody for that matter every every single conversation is so inspiring and there's so much to learn from it is that all of us can teach each and every person around and learn from them, right? So yeah, definitely Absolutely. looking forward through this podcast as well, like looking forward to speaking to so many more people.
and getting so inspired and you know vidga whenever you feel frustrated you know you should just tell yourself that you're just 23 cuz you <laughs> you have you almost have five more years than both of us probably have so it's totally fine you're doing quite well for yourself i think uh, that that's like my coping mechanism you know like whenever i feel i'm really really fail um i'm like okay fine i'm just too young to fail <laughs> i mean yeah. i'm not i'm not i'm not uh, boasting about my age or anything but i'm just like that's my coping mechanism whenever the, yeah. i feel low or anything of that sort i'm like it's okay you you still have some time it's okay <laughs> Yeah, so that's so, yeah. one of the perks of jumping in early. You know, you get that uh, cushion period where you, you know, where nobody can say anything to you. you know? Yeah, I mean, I I won't agree to the fact that nobody can say anything to me. People do. People really, really uh, sort of uh, consider. I mean, give out give out statements like you're too big for your shoes, you don't know what you're doing, etc., <laughs> etc. Et But then that's always there. There are always two sides to everything. So yeah, right. I mean, never, never taking the age into consideration, but then it works as a mechanism for sure. Right. Yeah. So, uh, this was about your challenges, but what do you think have been, you know, those uh, uh, factors that have been really critical to the success that you've got till now? You know, like certain mm-hmm. things that you probably would look back and be like, you know, that's one thing that probably, you know, made everything else count. like how you said you know empowering your uh, production uh, guys you know so what are other factors do you think that you know were very critical in your uh, success till now okay so uh here i'd like to share a life hack which everyone who's listening should also follow and i'd be glad right. if this becomes a movement is that you should uh, spend time with yourself a lot of time with yourself but in coffee shops So the thing is, right. if you are in a coffee shop and there are a lot of people around you, of course, I'm I'm not um, promoting eavesdropping or anything of that sort. But then, uh, just like sitting with yourself in a coffee shop and just looking around and observing people, observing their actions, observing uh, the kind of conversations they're having, not deep dive into the conversations, but yeah, observing the kind of conversations they're having, uh, the kind of mannerisms they show. everything is so so insightful and specifically in a coffee shop because um i feel the best conversations you can have with people and the best kind of people you can meet are in coffee shops like if i am sort of overwhelmed in a day or if i want some creative outlet i just go to any any of the coffee shops near my house or like any in the city and just spend a couple of hours there just like with a cup of coffee or maybe like some snacks and just chill by myself and that has sort of been like the biggest takeaway from for me from this entire journey the biggest learning for me from this entire journey is that you really really need to spend time with yourself i am uh, me i think out of the three of us i'm the only one who's not uh, an entrepreneur and i, I always keep thinking when is it mm-hmm. that uh, you know that one idea will strike which will give me that uh, you know give that courage i would say only nothing else uh-huh. okay now uh-huh. i'm going to i'm going to run with it and this is what i'm going to build a business around uh-huh. so I, i yeah i guess it's not that one strike of lightning that happens but it's not it's not it's it's like a continuous process yeah. and more than that you know i feel it's not even about getting that one idea and running with it it's about uh, trying as many ideas as you can till you find that one idea absolutely that it's it's all about experimentation i feel because i mean uh, till the time you don't try it you don't know what you're losing 
until the time you don't lose it you don't know how much there is to gain so yeah that that's what i feel should be the way to go ahead for anybody for that matter nice so really sound you're in full swing way the call no no i just completed this all of this all of this energy is just coming from a book that i read day before like a finished day before so yeah, yeah. i'm like it's just like when you when you complete a book there's this one sort of uh, achievement that you feel right yeah you feel empowered you feel you feel sort of accomplished in some way that, okay book khatam kiya so it's like that that's the thing that's going in me right now <laughs> not done not done so uh, vedika i i wanted to ask you about you know the entire current covid situation has that had an impact on your business and uh, have you had to make any changes in the way that you do business or has it been business as usual for you no no definitely there we have faced repercussions of covid in our business as well because uh, we stopped uh, productions completely from march like march end so march april may there was no production happening no orders happening but then uh, we were still taking orders on our platform and uh, and we told our customers that we'll be delivering that as soon as the lockdown officially got over so of course uh, there was a slump in orders uh, from then uh, but yeah the only thing that we sort of tried to mold the situation to our benefit was uh, by engaging uh, more of our customers with us so we channeled this entire time in uh, putting out content that would sort of create uh, an anticipation for our product so we believe that you know once you create an anticipation people are more happy to get your product when they get it so the entire idea behind the entire covid strategy was to create an anticipation for the product and create a uh, greater engagement and uh, we did that by you know like for the lack of a better word by using food porn so we would uh, put out like really enticing food videos on our instagram page and we got like people asking us to stop like you know literally people would be like please stop like don't don't uh, entice us so much with food because we can't get your product now but then then again we knew the strategy was working because now the people wanted our product more so that's what we did we put out uh, and we understood that video content is the way to go ahead so these are the learnings that have been for, from the covid situation for us that uh, we understood what kind of content works and what doesn't which was a very organic learning process for us we tried anything and everything under the sun and that's when we understood okay fine these are the things that work and this is the kind of targeting that works for us and uh, i mean it sort of has been a boon in disguise for us that even if we didn't get as many orders that we would have had the covid situation not been there uh, our instagram following went up by 6000 within 3 months Oh, wow. and uh, yeah so like we recently hit 10k on instagram and for those of the people who don't know is that in, once you hit in, uh, 10k on instagram is when you get the swipe up feature to all your stories oh nice and that's when you can link a uh, link your uh, website urls to all your products so we were just hoping for that you know just we were just waiting to get that cure in this covid period so that as soon as that ends uh we would be able to link all of our products uh to the page and then obviously like drive sales through that so that is something we've been able to achieve in this period and also we uh, came up with an ar game which is an augmented reality uh game on instagram which is basically uh, a delivery man getting your door to you and uh, you have to steer the delivery man through your head uh it's just like a fun engagement game um, on our instagram page 
and we saw uh, uh, a lot of engagement there as well people really enjoyed it and we saw a lot of shares happening from that game so yeah all of these uh, mini strategies in play like mini assets that we created online uh, are sort of giving us the benefits post covid post lockdown period i'd say that that sounds really cool yeah uh, you know that's a great way to engage for uh, you know for you to get your customers or potential customers to engage with your brand even while you're not delivering product so that sounds like an awesome awesome tip and thank you yeah oh so that's pretty good utilization was, of yeah the main idea behind was that once a person comes to your instagram page why would that person stay so yeah. we were just creating ways for that person to stay on the page that's it right so yeah. i think i think it's the answers are all they all lie in those basic questions right so uh, that's yeah. that's something so simple but uh, when i wrote uh, when i uh, read your article on linkedin about this ai game thing mm-hmm. i was really intrigued by you know how that's like giving a really deep thought to something which people would just be like okay fine all i can do is probably get followers and sponsor ads and you know that's all i can do with my instagram page Yeah. But going so that's that, the thing about that. Uh-huh. That's the thing about like the beauty of running a startup is that you have so much room to fail and you have so much room to progress as well. Now, had this been a conventional huge company, they would have probably gone through sprints and sprints and sprints before finalizing a strategy, right? And that's the thing about startups that we are so agile in our strategy that today something. it's rolled if tomorrow it's not working it can be out if tomorrow it is working you can go head on with it so that's the thing we we put out the ar game thinking that okay fine if it doesn't work we can still delete it the next day and people won't even notice but then if it does work it'll give us benefits we haven't even imagined so that way it, it, that's the beauty of being called a startup i feel so um, vedika this is more of uh this question is more to do with you uh, as a as an individual and a, as a person uh what in your view are some of your personality traits that really help you uh, that are you know uh, that help you make a successful entrepreneur uh personality traits okay uh number 1 will be like uh impatience i feel <laughs> because this is sort of counterintuitive nobody will say that be impatient in your life everybody is like patience is the biggest virtue you can have but uh in my case it worked well for me i can't vouch for everybody but it did work well for me and obviously there are fallbacks to it as well but then uh impatience is something that has always been in me and i sort of channelized it to work for the better and uh just like being impatient to do something being impatient to achieve something uh can really get you to work harder towards it that's what i feel So yeah, impatience is number one, and number two is resilience. I mean, I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. Like hell no, I cannot be the smartest person in the room because I know the second person who comes in will outsmart me in some way. But then I feel if I am the most resilient person in the room, I'm there to stay, and that's what I have experienced in this entire journey as well. That I mean, people will put you down, people will say stuff, but like you listen from one year, you take it out from the other year. That that's what our parents have also taught us, right? एक कांस सुनो दूसरे कांस निकालो तो that that's what's happened in this entire journey. Then just be as resilient as you can and uh, trust your gut. That 
has been my entire characteristic trait i feel i mean there, there's so much more to explore so much more to learn but then these are the key things that i stick with and these are the key things i tell people also in case they ask me anything of that sort that just like be resilient and be impatient that's that's really great there i really like how you think you know like that's that sort of clarity at that uh, point it just says that you know you've had your share of experiences to come that far it's it's more about just like spending time with yourself like i said i just when i'm spending coffee time shop. with myself i so, coffee now i'm going to inculcate that in my routine and probably hit the coffee shop for two hours and definitely let me know how that goes <laughs> Yeah, I think six months. You need to I, you need to reopen your cafes fast, man. <laughs> <laughs> totally do that. People need to go to your cafes and think. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of eating which is being missed out because of this lockdown. <laughs> so, uh, to so we've made it uh, quite, uh, you know, about business. Mm-hmm. and uh, i think let's lighten the thing and uh, probably if you could you know so uh, i'll tell you a little about being entrepreneur we are doing the podcast uh-huh. series so that you know we are trying to target uh, these young uh, people who are now probably you know getting out of college and uh, wanting to you know start entrepreneurship and i and i feel personally and even namro i think would second to that that mm-hmm. entrepreneurship is not something that can be taught in school or you know uh mm-hmm. in colleges it can be a course but it is not uh, you know like the like theory isn't enough to be able to you know um get uh, the ball rolling i think uh, how we learn is probably by talking and sharing our experiences with others and you know like co-entrepreneurs and fellow entrepreneurs is something that i have realized mm-hmm. and so while while these are conversations for us uh, this might be you know uh, really good learning for all these uh, young people who are now trying to jump into something and you know or probably at that stage where they are thinking of their first idea and you know uh, mm-hmm. the 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 thing about how it matures with time and you know how you strike one and strike two and strike three mm-hmm. so uh, so we want to uh, do this for them and it's also a way of uh, you know probably giving back because uh, when we were out there starting at that time you know a lot of things if we would have known better uh we'd been able to uh, probably not you know make a few mistakes that uh, we did so uh, that's one thing that we want to do with uh, being entrepreneur and uh, the other thing that the future plan with this is to actually uh, probably tie up with uh, all of these incubators and uh, you know definitely it's like a great thing you guys are doing man like it's i mean stimulating such conversations is it's very difficult on a day to day basis And yeah, it's candid, right? Kind of conversation, so, it's very candid. Like I can't even imagine. I've never spoken at length this way. Like for good forty minutes, never. <laughs> like my attention span <laughs> conversation is like max twenty minutes. So uh, yeah, it's 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 really empowering and engaging for both the parties. People who are listening, people who are talking, people who are engaging, everything. So it's kudos to you guys, man. Honestly, I've heard all of your other podcasts as well. And the takeaways That's from great. it have been massive. It's definitely been massive, especially your last podcast. uh i mean the takeaways from that was it was the kind of collaborative network you were talking about and the kind of yeah. uh, the process the process of starting from the very beginning and uh not giving a shit about what people think and just like going head on with any idea that you have it was very very inspiring and that's really all the podcasts uh, for, for example yeah 
we're glad it's giving great value job, great uh, job. right definitely there's definitely a lot of value and i'm, I'm waiting to see like where this goes for sure like good thank job guys so much, honestly yeah. <laughs> thank you that's very kind of you yeah so that uh, brings uh-huh. us to the end of the podcast and uh, we'll end uh, this conversation